Blog Talk Radio. Wake up, wake up, wake up, everybody. This is Marcy Ann, back after a few weeks of having an awful lot of company and uh, sort of being on vacation a little bit, doing some of those things we can do here in Southern California. Uh, My family seems to enjoy having someone that lives in California (laughs) where they can come in the winter. So, um, but I'm back. And today, my this is my news headlines for News Junkies show. So, what's in the news all the time? You know, stuff about ISIS. So, um, so my show today is called ISIS Unveiled. What is is <laughs> okay. So. Um, back in the late 1800s in England, there was a lady named Helena Petrovna Blavetsky, and she wrote a book that she called Isis Unveiled. I would like to call your attention to this book today because uh, at the time she wrote her book, there was a Muslim resurgence in Europe. <clears throat> It wasn't called ISIS at that time. It was called Muslim Crescent, as it proceeded from Turkey, which has the crescent in its flag. And so today our Muslim resurgence is being called, curiously, ISIS, <laughs> which was the title of her book. And also this year we're going to elect a new president in the United States after having had Eight glorious years of peace on earth, goodwill towards all men as the activating force and philosophy of our country through the divine leadership of President Obama. I believe that most people just have no conscious awareness of what the, that this has been the case. I, I think most people just live their daily lives. They're just born and grow up and follow the standard pathways that are already carved out by those who have gone before, many times just on the path of least resistance. And perhaps we have forgotten that within us, we have the spark of the divine that leads us to pursue happiness. Now, in her day, Madame Blavetsky was the leader of an esoteric philosophy That is now called Theosophy. And in this book she wrote called Isis Unveiled, she examines in great detail this path of least resistance. She suggests a path of ascendancy beyond the normal. And she throws in a lot of Disney magic just to keep things interesting. Now, I wanted to share with you some things that I have gotten from reading her book. First of all, light. 
You know, let there be light. (laughs) Light is the first begotten son of the union between concealed wisdom, who is the father, and the deep, which is the mother. Now, light is a life principle. It is the anima mundi, which is birthed and begins to pervade the universe. Light is the electric energy of all things. Light is the great magician. And under the divine will of the architect, its multifarious, omnipotent waves give birth to every form, every living thing. Light is androgynous, male and female, wave and particle, beams, exist the beginnings of all physical and chemical action, of all cosmic and spiritual phenomena. It it vitalizes and it disorganizes. It gives life and produces death. And from its primordial point, it gradually emerges into the existence of myriads of worlds, visible and invisible, celestial and terrestrial bodies. It lighted a fire, which we now call the sun, and the rays of this primordial energy provide an environment for future expansion of the light into more and more and more forms until there was you and me. Okay, I want to read one sentence from her book. All that is upon and within the earth all mineral and vegetable forms, all animal forms, our bodies, our brains, are all formed of materials which have been drawn in from those depths of space surrounding us on all sides. The Hermetists and later the Rosicrucians held that all things visible and invisible, were produced by the interaction of light with darkness, and that every particle of matter contains within itself a spark of the divine essence, spirit, which, through its tendency to free itself from its entanglements and return to the central source, produces motion, and from motion, forms are born. Thus, everything has this spark of life, and thus contains the rudimentary possibility of being able to transmute into locomotive new creations, higher or lesser in their grade more noble or more efficient or lesser noble, more distinguished in some way never to have been before, independent with the absolute will to expand and thrill with higher and more vivid force, to urge forward 
with more abounding, informed purpose, all wrought by planetary influences directed by the unseen spirit workers of the great original architect. I'd like to break this down just a little because this is just a fascinating look at a lot of answers to many questions that I hear people ask. Why did God let this happen? Why did this happen to me? Well, what can I do about it? Well, what has this to do with me? I mean, leave me alone. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> but back in the 1800s, there was still some idea about all thing, how all things visible and invisible are produced by the interaction of light with darkness. Today, we have thousands of ideas of what what is light in the first place and what is darkness. But beyond the great diversity that surrounds everything and everybody is Madame Blavatsky's next statement. Every particle of matter contains within itself a spark of the divine essence, spirit, and through which its tendency to free itself from its entanglements don't you sometimes feel like that? Man, I wish I could be free of these entanglements. That's the divine spark within you crying out to return to the central source. And that's what produces motion, if you'll allow it. So therefore, everything and everybody has this rudimentary possibility of being able to change their circumstances into something better or maybe something worse, into something that can expand and thrill or perhaps something that degrades and destroys, to surge forward with a more abounding informed purpose or maybe lay down in a bed of passive disability. But whatever the motion, the primary impetus of the motion is that little particle trying to get back to its original divine state of oneness with all there is, loving and being loved. Isn't that what all of us want? Just to love and to be loved? That's really just the way it is. It is what it is. It is ISIS unveiled. It doesn't matter who's moving. I mean, whether it's extreme Muslim militants or peaceful schools of dolphins, the action of the motion is to return to our original divine state of oneness with all there is, loving and being loved. So I said that Madame Blavatsky lived in a time of a different resurgence of the Muslim religion, and here's what she said then. We've had the Crimean War, during which the alliance of the Gallic, Gaelic cock and the English bull interfered with the political designs of the Russian bear. <laughs> kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> And in 1856, the war was er ended, and Turkey 
or the crescent closely escaped destruction. And now in the present year, which for her was 1876, the most unexpected events of a political character have just taken place. And ten years have elapsed since peace was proclaimed. Everything seems to point to a fulfillment of an old prophecy. The future will tell whether the Muslim crescent, which seems indeed to be waning, will irrevocably wane, dissolve, and disappear as the outcome of the present troubles. And history says it waned, dissolved, and disappeared. Now, Madame Blavatsky talked clearly about cycles and times and times and half times, the bell curve of life, if you will, this waxing and waning, new moon and full moon, high tide and low tide, the highest highs and the lowest lows. And there are no boundaries. There are no limits. There are no preconceived unalterable conclusions Next time or half time or cycle can be completely and totally different. And only by living through it and looking back can we really know what happened. And at that point, you can't judge it. What is, is. That's what ISIS is all about. Not only in Madame Blavatsky's day, but in our day. And I believe that after eight years of a precarious peace that has been assailed as weakness by and through our president, we're looking at a resurgence again of Muslim extremism, but seems to be either waxing or waning, depending upon who's doing the reporting. I believe that giving attention to this resurgence causes it to wax. But what we want is for it to wane and actually Forces within the area of the resurgence have very meaningful ways to cause the extremism to wane. And as for our participation, we only soberly watch and pray and wait for the cycle to complete. And any presidential candidate that offers any other solution is a terrorist and is empowering the terrorists. Uh, Also in the news this week, I heard an interview with George Soros. He's one of the richest men in the world, and they were asking him about the economic situation in the world. And he says that we are in a time in our evolution here on Earth that during his lifetime, and he's 85 years old, we have never been in before. So no one knows what to do. And they try this and they try that. Different folks have different strokes. Sometimes people get together and compare notes to try to come up with something better, but mostly they don't because everybody has their own special interests they're trying to control, And they don't want to work with someone else because they don't want to have to give up anything. Most people just want more. Not understanding that there are cycles and circles. 
and a downside to the bell curve. To go up, sometimes you have to go down. Well, we are on the waxing side of the bell curve economically right now with 77,000 young people each week entering the workforce. And we are on the waning side of terrorism and fear and manipulation and control. And our next president must be aware of these facts and propose programs that can be agreed upon by the Senate and the House of Representatives that will provide environments for businesses to flourish and provide jobs and homes and schools and goods and services to these wonderful new contributors to our overall good as a country. We just need to take down the caregiver of that world flag and concentrate on the United States. I watched the movie The Quiet American last week, and there was a statement in that movie, which, you know, that movie was about the Vietnam War, another time in our history when we stuck our nose into someone else's business. And this American in Vietnam said, Well, our country's barely 200 years old. We hardly know how to take care of our own problems here at home. What nerve these other countries have to expect us to solve their problems that they haven't been able to solve for over 5,000 years, and they think we can come up with an answer for them? And, you know, Denmark has just been proclaimed the happiest nation on earth. And a reporter went on the street and asked why they were so happy. And everybody said, well, we care about each other. We trust our government. We know our government cares about us. And we have good health care and a good educational system. And we feel safe here. Safe. You know, that's a wonderful word. I'm sure they don't have a media there that is always trying to figure out the next worst thing that has happened or the next biggest problem we have to be afraid of or tell us about the next horrible thing that someone did. So can we just begin to think in terms of each of us caring about each other of us and doing unto others what we would like to have them do unto us? And let's elect a president who will continue this weak position of peace And remember that that position is backed up by the most powerful military in the world. And then we can all begin to sleep better at night. What is, is. That's what ISIS is. Is, is. What is, is. (laughs) And we create what is. Each of us is a single cell that exists collectively in a gazillion cell organism. And each of us has the abilities to be a stem cell and create whatever is needed to ensure that our own cell is working perfectly because that's the best way we can help the whole organism work better. So today, just take a look around you. What is, is right now? So what part of what you see do you like? And what part of it would you like to see changed? 
what changes would you have to make personally that would then allow you to contribute to the whole organism in a positive and productive way? Because each moment is a crossroads of choice. It's this or that. So make your choices carefully and with mindfulness. And this is Marcianne, and I'm going to say aloha for now as I play my mission bells from San Juan Capistrano Mission uh, that proclaims celebrations of love and being loved.